Welcome back to the United Pubcast. It's Larry, your co-host. I've got Tom with me as always. Manchester United 3, Arsenal 1. The Invincibles, is it's off, Tom. It's not happening this season. Arsenal have lost their first match of the season to lowly, poor Manchester United. How are you feeling after the 1.30 a.m. wake-up? Well, I was having a bit of a fight with myself last night thinking, okay, do I set the alarm? Do I sleep through? Do I sort of try and get through to lunchtime without hearing the result? I eventually caved when I heard news that Anthony was going to start. So I quickly went to bed and set the alarm for three minutes before kickoff. I woke up at 1.30, went back to bed at 3.30 and then up again at five o'clock to go to work. So it was a tough start to the Monday morning work-wise. But when Man United do that... Makes it all worth it. I'll do the same next week, Clay. I'll do the same every single week if I see that. Forget the result. Obviously, that does help. But the performance and the effort, that is what we get up at 1.30 on a Monday morning for. I'll do it every single week if they if they keep producing that. With your time, uh, I will break down the performance. We'll look at how United performed. How did Arsenal perform? I think it's a really interesting dynamic when you actually look at the data and go into the actual game. But before I do that, I will come to all the legends in the comments. Make sure you do get your thoughts in. Uh, we are quite interactive and we'll try and move along as quickly as we can. So make sure you stay tuned and three, two, ones. That's going to be really interesting tonight, Tom. So really looking forward to that. But before we do, let's come over to the comments. George, one of our regulars. Good evening, guys. Nice to indulge in a bit of AFTV for once. Tom, you're just quoting um... <laughs> my funniest video. People uh, go into my Twitter timeline. You'll see. It. I forget the guy's name. He's a recent addition to Arsenal fan TV over the last year or two. He's outside Old Trafford, and he just talks to Robbie. Says, "I think that Anthony will um, suit Old Trafford quite well. He looks like a despicable human being, and that just made my day, Larry. That made my day." Oh, gotta love Arsenal fans. Um, we continue on Rob as always, mate. From it's a football thing, lads. What a day! Hardest three, two, ones to date, Rob. I can't wait to watch it's a football thing tomorrow night, eight thirty. You, I'm sure Scott will be present, or he might be sick. Actually, I think uh, I think he's got a pet turtle to walk, or something will come up. I have no doubt about that. Uh, Adam, our AFTV was a treat this morning, lads. It's the United Podcast. What are you doing quoting AFTV? Come on, we're on better YouTube channels here. Massive win. Uh, we're back to being hated again. Love it. With you, Ryan, 100%. Justin, evening, fellas. Three points in the bag. Three points for Ericsson. Great display from him this morning. Ericsson was fantastic, Justin. Does he get the three points, though? You'll have to wait and see toward the end of the video. Uh, George, 10 hugs at the wheel, man. Oh, you can't be saying that, George. Come on. Uh, he's doing it. Good win. Our counterattack is deadly. We knew this from seasons ago. Mr. Uh, strategy, uh, strategy. I get that, 10 hug. Yeah. Uh, we'll work on it and get the final pieces in place for a trophy. Mate, fingers crossed. Troy, as always, hope you're doing well, my friends. Evening, mate. Uh, love seeing Arsenal fans. Seething after that one, with you 100%. If you like Arsenal fans being upset, hit a like on that video. Can I say Troops is a grown man, grabbed his crotch and zoomed into a camera. He should be absolutely embarrassed of himself. Forget football, forget being a fan. Like You're a grown man, mate. Grow up. Who Honestly. should be more embarrassed, him for doing that, which I agree, or me watching it 50 times, pissing myself laughing at it? Oh, I mean, no, he should be ashamed like, <laughs> laughing at him with you because it's baffling that a man with no recorded mental incapacity behaves like that. Like, seriously, Tom, it's genuinely concerning. Nonetheless. I'm with you. Geordie, evening, gents. To quote Ice Cube, today was a good day indeed. But, Tom, we've got a lot to get through, so get your comments in. We'll try and get through as much as we can. But there is a jam-packed night 
of information to get through. And Tom, I want to start by actually looking at Anthony. He did start, like you said. Was that a surprise to you? Or do you think just given the lack of quality, with all due respect to Anthony Alenga, did you think um, it made sense to throw him in? I mean, we have to remember this guy hasn't played a football match for a fortnight. It's different. I think it would make sort of obvious sort of comparisons with the Casemiro situation and Casemiro was sort of match fit in terms of what he was doing with Real Madrid, but not accustomed to the Eric Ten Hag system. And here's Anthony, who's not fit, but he is accustomed to the Eric Ten Hag system. So it was, okay, what does Eric Ten Hag sort of value? And you thought, I thought with the 100 million pound price tag and the obvious upgrading quality over a potential Anthony Alanga, I thought, okay, yeah, there's a chance he's going to come in. But I do see what he did with Ronaldo, what, what he's done with Casemiro, with people who potentially aren't, sort of ready to go in terms of the Manchester United style of play. I thought, yeah, okay, maybe on the bench. But I thought in terms, as I said last week on the podcast when we were previewing this, I said, yes, it is a football game. Yes, there's going to be tactical things, but also the occasion. And I think it was just that big game feel that Eric Ten Hag needed. That this, he had a big win against Liverpool, but he needed another one in this Arsenal match. And I thought just to get the crowd on side, and the crowd would have been on side regardless, but I thought the introduction of Anthony from the start um, added to that. And um, Man United started well. And is that off the back of Anthony in the starting lineup? I don't know. Probably not. But it's something that definitely would have played a part, in my opinion. With And he justified his position, didn't he? He, he justified his start. Uh, I thought overall, in terms of assessing his performance, maybe not brilliant, but you can see the quality already, can't you? Well, he got double teams and that back heel to Deleuze. And you need ability to do that. Uh, just, just the fact that he can keep the ball in difficult situations, I think, is invaluable. And... Uh, the, the thing I like about him, Tom, forget all the ability. Man, he's a fan on the pitch. He's buzzing a bit, Man United, isn't he? He's just absolutely loving it. He's passionate. He scores a goal. And I think I've never seen a player kiss the badge so quickly into his debut. I just, he's easy to fall in love with. Look, it's easy to fall in love with other signings. Look, I've seen Alexis Sanchez. I've seen Di Maria. They've all kissed the badge and sort of celebrated that. And I do fall in love with Anthony. It maybe does feel a little bit different. Obviously, is there a Ten Hag's man? Um, he's obviously, he, you can tell that he is a passionate player. Um, and uh, with the situation we do find ourselves in, it, it is hard not to fall in love with him. And I think in terms of what we need as a squad, what we need as a team, what we need as a club, he is exactly what we need. You probably don't want him for a hundred million pound. That's sort of unfortunate sort of pressure that is going to go on his shoulders. But in terms of his actual performance, okay, he'll get a goal. Thank you. He'll get a goal. Okay, so when we get in a 3 2 ones a little bit later, it'll be interesting in regards to a debut and how we rank these 3 2 ones. Big occasion, came on debut, scored a goal. Attackingly, oh, I thought he's fine. He's good on the ball, good going forward. I don't think he was a standout or anything. My biggest thing was along the lines of your thinking there in regards to the energy and the passion was his defensive work. Now, I thought his relationship defensively with Diogo Delo wasn't fantastic. Now, I thought a lot of that might have been down to Martinelli. I thought Martinelli had a really good game and that sort of pinned Diogo Delo back. So Anthony was, hang on, is Delo behind me or is he pushing up? So I thought that was a little bit tricky and that'll obviously come with time. But it was his defensive work, which I was most most pleased with. And from a manager's point of view in Eric Ten Hag, I think that's what, yes, he'd be pleased with the goal. But I think what else, like, like most from Anthony, which he would have already known, which is why I spent big money on him, um, was off the ball stuff. I think they did get through a lot of work off the ball. He did indeed. Um, before we rip in and two, got McTominay for God's sake. Went. To, I thought that was a leg breaker. Oh yeah. Oh. Yeah. For sure. Can I McTominay on McTominay? I, I don't want to go too off script. Is that his fifth yellow card this season? Does he miss the next? Fourth or fifth. He, he's running the tight line now. Yeah, fourth or fifth. 
I, I want to say it's his fourth, but if someone in the comments knows it's his fifth, uh, make sure you let us know because commentary didn't make anything of it and he's definitely been on a few. So uh, let us know on that one. Tom, before we glaze over United and fall in love and, you know, over pamper the performance, um, I, I do want to talk about Arsenal a little bit. I know the final score finishes 3-1, but I don't think the score tells the whole story. Arsenal were really good. And I thought Gabriel Jesus, again, showing what, buzzing form, such positive form he started the season with. I thought our, our defense, Rafael Varane and Martinez, had their greatest challenge to date. Um, Saka, he got the best of Malaysia a few times. I want to highlight the disallowed goal for Arsenal. We, we thought it was 1-0. Uh, now, you, the players were asked. I think it was Michael Owen, Paul Scholes, and I can't remember who the third gentleman was. Uh, all three agreed that they actually thought it was a goal. I don't know if that's maybe it's an older generation. The game's changed a little bit, but they've put the referee then asked him the question. He's like a foul every day of the week. What did you make of the disallowed goal? Did you agree with the decision or taking your, your United goggles off? Did you think it was a bit soft on Arsenal? Take away the slow motion replays, take away the referee walking over to the monitor, take away disallowed goals, take away all, all those things that come with VAR. Your first instinct was a foul. Your first instinct when Christian Eriksen went over was pushing the back was a foul. Now, the referee didn't seem that way. So my first instinct, I always go with my gut. It looked like a foul to me. When you do slow it down, I can see both sides. Yes, it is a soft push, but ultimately it is a push in the back. Well, not the back, but towards the back of the player. Two hands, a clear push, and no contact on the ball. No no real attempt at the ball. It's a foul. Now, yes, if that is Manchester United on the, the receiving end of that call and we have a goal disallowed, my opinion will definitely change. I'm fully aware of that, and I understand I'll be a hypocrite. But my first instinct, Ericsson's fouled in the middle of the field. And it wouldn't be an issue if it was a goal. And I just think, look, with VAR, because we have a whole new debate on VAR, it's probably dominated the Premier League discussion this week in regards to the decisions around the ground, around the grounds. And what I would say, I don't think it's the... While an Arsenal fan probably has a right to be aggrieved, even though I think it's the correct call, there's been far worse decisions this week than that one. I'm with you on that. Which game was it? Uh, the West Ham match? Yeah. Oh, shocking. My God. I could do a whole episode on that, but I don't want to go there. Um, I want to stay in a good mood. Uh, but on Arsenal's overall performance, do you think they played quite well? I put on Twitter, I think, that, and this is not to be patronising or condescending towards Arsenal, and would I be saying this if we lost? Maybe not. Maybe it's because I'm in a good mood. But I think I'd genuinely say this. this is, whether they won or lost, okay, they bet us a couple of years ago at Old Trafford, okay? But that was the most confident I've seen them at Old Trafford in nearly two decades. And when I say two decades, I'm talking they started a fall off in around 2006, yeah. I think maybe late 2005, 2006, that's when they sort of started to fall off and Chelsea came through. So you're talking 2004 was their Invincibles, I think, 2003, 2004, Tibera. So we're coming on to two decades. That was the most confident I've ever seen Arsenal at Old Trafford. They showed up with a plan. Now I thought they were extremely naive in the second half, and we'll get into Mikel Arteta maybe a little bit later when we talk about Eric Ten Hag. I thought he was extremely naive when they pulled it back to 1-1. But they had a plan. They stuck to it. They looked like they rocked up and they thought, okay, we're the better team. We're going to play our football. That quite that often doesn't happen at Old Trafford when Arsenal rock in the town. So I don't want to say credit to Arsenal, but credit to Arsenal. Um, but I think what that shows is a patience and a sort of trust place in Mikel Arteta to go through the tough times that he's been through and have that consistency and stability within the club for the manager to get his views across. So that's what we can hope to hopefully see Eric Ten Hag in four or five years' time. When he has a bad spell, he'll maybe hopefully his bad spell has just been these two games at the start of the season. But when, when we do hit a rough patch later on in this season, stick with him, let him get through it, and in three or four years, we'll see us go into the big clubs and dominate him like the better team. 
Wither, and uh, agree with all your sentiments there. Let's talk about United. That's enough Arsenal talk for this video. Let's talk about Manchester United. I want to start with, and I think we'll get into individual performances in the 3-2-1. So let's keep it to the team performance for now. But can I just say, what an improvement in character by United. The, the thing that impressed me the most, Tom, you go when, when it goes to 1-1, I think this United side last season would have crumbled. I think they would have gone on to lose that match. This time round, you get you get to 2-1. Ericsson's ball to Bruno, brilliant. Through the lines, quick, incisive. And then Bruno's ball to Rashford, again, decisive, fast. I was critical of Bruno in this game. I thought overall he had a good match. But Bruno was a bit slow and he just he laboured on the ball a little bit, didn't he? I just thought you'd like to see him make a decision just that little bit quicker. But all in all, United responded when it got to 1-1 and that's exactly what you wanted to see. Well, on your point regarding Bruno, that is Bruno. If we want that killer pass by Bruno Fernandez, we're going to have to, unfortunately, we've dealt with this for years now, and I think we're going to, that's the type of player that he is. We're going to have to deal with it for future years to come. You're going to get a frustrating performance if you want that killer pass. That is what he brings. If the working parts around him are consistent and stable, you, a team can afford that sort of the player with that free role. In regards to you mentioned Christian Eriksen, those two passes to Bruno, I think it was for the first two goals, I think it was, and obviously Eriksen's involvement in the third goal. They're hard passes, not only for Ericsson to play. Ericsson, one, it takes ability, one, it takes confidence to sort of play that pass, but also Bruno Fernandez to find himself in that bit of space because I played that number 10 role. When you go into that space behind the midfield and in front of the back four, you know when that ball comes into you from Ericsson, you know you don't have an option to play it back in the midfield. You know you have to turn. So you know that's the only option. So it takes bravery to go into that position to get it, knowing, okay, I'm going to have to turn here and face the back four. Am I going to get slide tackle from behind? Do I have time to turn? What are my options? So both players, Christian Eriksen and Bruno Fernandes in that area, linked up quite well and um, not only showed good quality, but um, showed good confidence in each other. Yeah, 100%. Uh, and I'm, I, like I said, I, I want to get, I really want to do talk about Eriksen because I'm sure in the three, two, ones, his name will undoubtedly come up. Uh, but then let's talk about the, uh, the final goal. Uh, again, Rashford scores, but again, Good work by Ericsson. Gets himself into space. Uh, who played the ball to Ericsson? I can't remember. I can't remember. It was Bruno. But was th Bruno. That was off the back end. Look, he won't come into the 3-2-1s discussion, but Cristiano Ronaldo came off the bench and, in my opinion, made an impact. Maybe 100%. it was tactically. Well, we'll get into the Eric Ten Hag situation in regards to the substitution. But in regards to off the ball pressing, he was crucial in that third goal. And obviously, Ronaldo doesn't press. That's the narrative out there. But if you do watch the game, he does get through a lot of work, especially in that centre-forward center role. Um, off the ball, it might not look like it body language-wise, but when you look at the angles that he takes up, he, he does work hard. And ultimately, he's sort of, Arsenal surrendered the ball off Ronaldo's press. And, well, I thought, shocking defending by Arsenal, but it takes Christian Eriksen to have the sort of guts to make that run into that space. Bruno Fernandes to make the quality of pass. And then Christian Eriksen, that's a tricky spot to be in, in that sort of area. You want to shoot. Everyone's knowing the pass is on. So Ben White is sort of getting across because he knows the pass is coming. Rashford knows the pass is coming. So there's all this pressure. So Ericsson's thinking that as well. He's thinking everyone's worried about the pass. Maybe I should shoot. Then he's in two minds. And to execute it right, whatever the shot or the pass was, um, credit to him. 100%. Um, oh, lost my train of thought. Uh, I just want to highlight a few individual performances. And I, and I want your opinion here, Tom. Like you said, Ronaldo comes on. And with every game, he's looking sharper, isn't he? You can just see there's still quality in him. And uh, the, the thing I like about CR7's performance, firstly, I want to give him a resounding round of applause. And I'll tell you why in a, in a second. When Anthony scored, he got up, he smiled. 
He knew the cameras were on, but he's he's been the utmost professional for me over. He, he's this is the greatest challenge of his career for a long time, Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, I think just given his age, he hasn't been on the bench this much since 2005. Statistically, it's his longest drought without a goal since 2005. Uh, it's a challenging time for him in in, a, in for the first time in many years. See, I, I, I would just, agree in regards to, and I understand what you're talking about in regards to celebrate. And I, I kind of share that. I think we do have to celebrate it because of the narrative that he's going around in regards to the yeah. press on how he will behave. However, I don't think there is a need to. I'm not shocked that he's been a professional. I'm not shocked that he's happy for his teammates. I think it, it, so. I, coming, yeah, I think we do have to point it out, but I, I don't want to point it out really. I think we should. Okay, the player next to him was applauding the, the goal as well. When we're not praising his sort of effort and sort of compassion for his teammates, sort of thing. So no, I agree. Unfortunately, we have to because of what is out there. But um, I'm not shocked at all. Cristiano Ronaldo wants the best for Manchester United. Now, yes, he does want the best for Ronaldo, obviously. That obviously comes with the best for Manchester United. I guess what I'm trying to get at is he, instead of sulking, instead of kicking off, because we all know he wanted to leave, basically hoard himself out to Europe. But nonetheless, he does stay, and I think he's relishing the challenge now, the challenge of getting back in a Ten Hag side. He comes on and he presses. He presses in a way that we haven't seen in his whole career. And not just does he press, it wasn't mindless pressing. It was tactical pressing, it was selective pressing, and it was pressing that got a result more times than once. And What and do I you think, think the substitution, uh, which I agree, the substitution, and before we get into sort of 3 2 because all this Ronaldo praise, he doesn't go into the 3 2 for anyone, I don't think. The substitution of Ronaldo, what was the difference? Now, you, you can align this with the, the Arsenal goal. As soon as Arsenal scored, was a little bit after Ronaldo came on. So let's put the two in the same category. Ronaldo and Arsenal come on 1-1. One, one. What was the difference in regard or the thinking behind Eric Ten Hag? Was it bring Ronaldo on because, okay, Anthony was only going to play now and we need to get Ronaldo on the pitch for whatever reason, commercial, whatever, to keep him happy? Was he on the pitch for that reason? Or was he on the pitch tactically in regards to freeing up Marcus Rashford? Because when when Marcus Rashford or sorry, and Cristiano Ronaldo went up front and Arsenal got that 1-1 equaliser, watch where they were defending. They were on halfway because suddenly they weren't worried about Cristiano Ronaldo in terms of getting him behind. They said, okay, we can push up. Where was all the danger? The two goals came from in behind. Christian Eriksen made, made a run from halfway. Bruno Fernandes picked that pass from halfway through the back four. And I think that was Ronaldo had nothing to do with the goals in terms of um, offensively on the ball. But his positioning was on halfway where the Arsenal defenders were and it left so much space in behind. So was your think behind that? Was Eric Ten Hag, did he sort of preempt something from Arteta and Arsenal? Or do you think just it was a happy coincidence in regards to how the sort of game panned out? You know, I'll, I'll always give Ten Hag praise if I can. What I actually think it was, was naivety of Arteta. Yeah. When they went to 1-1, because they were in the ascendancy, like let's not, you know, rewrite history. Arsenal were the better footballing side over the 90 minutes. And I thought particularly in the second half, they started in in with, in the ascendancy. Uh, and they were definitely in the front seat, uh, particularly after, the, after they equalised. But where I think Arteta got it wrong, is he uh, now? I don't know if it was because Ronaldo was on the pitch. I personally think it was just Arteta chasing the game or the proverbial throwing the kitchen sink at the game. He lost his head. I just thought that uh, at 1 1, he decided he was going to take off his left back and just go full throttle at United. And I just thought it was suicidal. Like they were in control of the match. So I don't understand what the tactical mindset or lack of tactical mindset, I yeah. should say, 
behind it was. It just it made no sense. And I'm not complaining. As a United fan, we obviously benefited. Ronaldo benefited. Uh, and I thought Ronaldo led the line better than Rashford. It, it's really funny, Tom. Rashford scored two goals. I actually thought he didn't actually play that well. No, we'll get into Rashford in terms of... I think he's shout for me for in terms of the way we value the 3-2-1s. An assist and two goals, he's arguably, in my opinion, probably deserving of the three points. But yes, in regards to the performance, I thought, yeah, there was nothing up front and much better in terms of a threat, which we've talked about his threat in recent weeks, sure. um, off that left-hand side. Uh, right before we get into three, two, ones, one final comment. I spoke to you about this offline. Gary Neville's assessment of Marcus Rashford. And the reason I want to bring this up is because I listen to a different pundit, some who even played for United, who have differing opinions of Marcus Rashford. I don't know if his ability is oversold to us. I don't know if Gary Neville undersold his abilities. I don't have the exact quote in front of me, so I will paraphrase it a little bit. But Neville made comments post-match to the effect of Rashford doesn't have the technical ability of a typical wide player in the Premier League. His benefit of being up front is running in behind, running into space, and that's what he does well. Uh, and, And perhaps centre forward suits him in that way. Do you, do you agree with those sentiments? Because I then look at someone like Roy Keane, whose comments of, of the same match was, he's got all the ability, he can do it, and when I see performances like this... So where does Rashford's ability sit? Is he in the Roy Keane camp, or do you agree more with the Neville side of things? And then I'll bring it back to, what's his best position? Because he's scoring goals, but his goals are coming from, actually, when he's moved out to the left, not when he's playing... Yes, the I think best, best position, I wouldn't say a position, I just think in a wide area of the pitch, when he's not that focal point, when he can sort of just sort of be that second man, whether in a wide area or a central area. The ability. I find this interesting. I think there's two types of ability. In terms of putting one in the top corner, going past a player, putting through the legs, doing a step over, going past, putting in the top corner from 30 yards, he has all the ability in the world. In regards to ability from a wide player in the Premier League who we've talked about in regards to a Bernardo Silva or a Jaden Sancho, players like that, he doesn't have that ability. There's two different types so in terms of real quality on the ball, in terms of playing at the highest level in regards to the Champions League and tactically, he is not at that level. In one-off ability in terms of a burst of pace to go past go past a player and put one in the top corner, like no other, he has all those attributes. But in terms of a huge part of quality or ability is the ability to do that consistently. And I don't think Rashford has the subtleness sort of to his game. Now, that's not to take away because the traits that he does possess can be match when they can win your trophies, the, the type of thing sort of managers dream of. And we've talked about Jaden Sancho being a better player, but as a defender, rather playing against Jaden Sancho than Marcus Rashford because of the traits that he does have can hurt you in behind. And that's very sort of fearful as a defender. So I'm on the side of the side of Gary Neville in his thinking without criticising Marcus Rashford for it. Okay. Do you think Rashford suits a United side that comes up against a low block? Or is that where you'd probably up oh, for we'll someone? Yeah, we've seen that like plenty. Look, 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 look at the goal. Rashford, we're talking about his performance, sort of not being great. As soon as Arsenal start to defend on the halfway line when Ronaldo came on, Rashford looked like Maradona because all the space was in behind her. And, and that is how you do need to use Marcus Rashford. Look over the years when we haven't been able to break teams down. There's not a criticism, Marcus Rashford, but who's been an ever-present who hasn't quite been good enough? It's been Rashford up front or Rash- Rashford in a wide area. So I think we've seen it so often, and that is where you do hope Eric Ten Hag sort of can get his sort of coaching hat on and sort of sort of teach um, teach Marcus Rashford one or two tricks, and obviously open the game up tactically to allow Marcus Rashford that space rather than sort of pin him up against two centre backs who are playing in a low block. Yeah. 
And I think the Anthony signing will help in terms of stretching defences. But, Tom, let's not let people wait any longer. There's 41 of you here. Make sure you are hitting that like button. But it is time for the three, two, ones. Now, if you are new here, three, two, ones is a concept where you give well, what we consider the most impactful player. So not necessarily your man of the match, like we just said. It might not be someone who you thought was brilliant over the 90 minutes. But you look at the result. Was that player the most impactful. So that player will get the three points, the two points, and the one point being the least. Uh, and we'll continue that trans for every single match throughout the season. So get your three, two, ones in. But Tom, let's not waste any time. I want to start with the three points. Uh, man of the match or most impactful man of the match. Um, I'm going to give you my opinion and then we might enter into a bit of a debate. You said here, Marcus Rashford maybe is your three points. I'm I think get an assist and two goals. I understand that, Tom, yeah. but I thought he gets a two. He gets two assists. Sorry, he gets the two goals and assist. But does he get the opportunity to do those things without Christian Eriksen on the pitch? I think Christian Eriksen was instrumental in United getting the result. Is Christian Eriksen able to perform like Christian Eriksen without this man behind me? That's valid, and maybe there's a conversation to put McTominay in the three two ones. But I just think in terms of, do United win this match if Christian Eriksen didn't play? And I think the goals that Rashford scored, I think Martial could have scored them on a day. I even think Anthony Alenga, if given the space and time, could have scored at least one of those goals. So I look at that performance, and I think Eriksen was instrumental. I think he was the most impactful player. So I'm personally going to go Eriksen for the three points, but let me know what you think. On Ericsson, not in regard to the three two ones. I'll let everyone get their sort of thoughts in the live chat. And look, I won't disagree with you. Sort of make a strong argument. I can see Ericsson's name popping up quite a bit. And look, if you flip a coin, there's so many, and it's a good problem to have. My thing I want to point out regarding Christian Ericsson is not in regards to this game specifically, but just on a whole. Since he arrived at United, I thought he's been good, very good, solid. Now, obviously, a tricky start in regards to the team, but I thought he was one player who sort of did the right things. And, and recently in these last four victories, has, has done very well. Good good sort of welcome to Manchester United. And nothing, it hasn't been standing out, but hasn't been bad. Just nice introduction to life at Old Trafford. I need to start giving him more credit. And, and I have been given credit. I do, I, I love the guy. I'm really enjoying what I am seeing from him. But I was thinking just, it has been that solid. I think he's been more than that now. That when I take a step back and look at what he is doing, and you have to sort of apply the context as well of what happened to I hate bringing it up, what happened at the Euros, and he's come back to football, come back to life, and then football as well in terms of I need to give, start giving more credit. I think he has been potentially not, not sort of world-class or brilliant sort of thing, but the impact he has had has been um, underrated in my opinion. I, I think I've had to sort of think at what he is doing and the impact that he has had on this team, not so much the team, on this midfield. We do look at the issues we've had in midfield over the years and we've had world-class players in Port Bogram, players like that. We've had players who haven't been good enough in McTominay and Fred. We're always looking for that sort of missing piece of what can glue everything together. And um, the missing piece at the moment off the back of these last couple of performances um, is Christian Eriksen. Thank you for agreeing with all of my comments, but do you agree with the three points? Have I convinced you? you got a lot of the comments here. It's a mix between Bruno and Eriksen here. George got a shot, shout there for Rashford that I saw. I think Ericsson's a resounding three points. Have we got you on? Have we got you on side? Look, with, with the amount of people throwing Ericsson in the live chat, oh, I'm no one to disagree with that. So um, definitely respect that. And let's go, Christian Ericsson, the three points. Again, Marcus Rashford's performance, there was not much there. At the end of the day, an assist, a decent assist, decent or good, a very good assist for Anthony. And then two goals, I just think, in regards to 
how can you not? And here you want to say Scott McTominay, who had 100% passing accuracy. When's the last player to do that, last midfielder to do that in the Premier League who played 90 minutes? That doesn't happen often, if really. If someone get the stats out on someone who's done that. And that's not to say McTominay was world-class, but in terms of what Eric Ten Hag wanted from him, I thought it was a brilliant display by Scott McTominay. So, but then I can't go past Marcus Rashford in, in terms of those that double. Yeah, that's valid. All right, I'm with you. Renault, uh, Rashford for two points. I'm just going to source through the comments, Tom. We need to balance it out. It's about us and it's about... I'm not, I'm not throwing him in for points. Another big save from David De Gea from that header. Yeah, agreed. I thought massive save uh, and he played... Really, can I say Martinelli's kicked on this season? I'm not one to give Arsenal credit, but he looked good. And I know it was, again, rightfully pulled back goal, but uh, he had Delow in all sorts. He, but, but both, however, what I do like from both Malassia and Diogo Delow, they had tough games. I think the Wiggers yeah. had the better games. But they got through it. They, they didn't have a disaster. They, they didn't sort of let Martinelli score a hat-trick or Saka score a hat-trick. They got through it. They dealt with their problems. Um, they got through it, won the game or helped win the game for the, their team. And I just think that is good because you're not always going to play better than your opponent. Sometimes when you come up against top oppositions, they're gonna, we're not complaining when Anthony gets the better of a fullback or Marcus Rashford gets the better of a fullback. But we'll be the first to complain when Saka goes past Malassia or Martinelli goes past Diego Delo. And I just think it was a tough afternoon for them, but they got through it and um, credit to them. Yeah, 100%. Emad being Emad. Look at this comment. McTominay 3, Ericsson 2, Rashford 1. I'm not surprised McTominay gets 3 oh, and Bruno well, doesn't come close to points. I thought talk, about, talk, really talk about McTominay, though, in regards to regards to hey, a job in midfield. Outstanding. Outstanding. Mate, did you see my tweet this morning? I, I put my hand up. I, everyone, said, I, I, I think everyone should put their apologies in the comments. Now, look, I put the flag up behind me um, for a reason. He does deserve apologies. Now, here I am, it's probably me and Emad here, sort of co-founding members of McTominay AFC. However, as much as I'm praising his performance and think he's sort of worthy of points, I'm saying bring Casemiro in. I think Casemiro should come in and I think he makes his team stronger. But this is what I want from McTominay. Come in, five games, okay, Casemiro's injured or he's suspended. Okay, McTominay, here's your five games. Come in, do a job, win these games for us, sort of be solid in midfield, get the ball, give it to Christian Eriksen, get the ball, give it to Bruno Fernandes, go kick someone. Do that. Okay, Casemiro, you're going to come in for the next three months. That's what we want. But when we've been relying on McTominay and Fred as a pairing in a real tough spell and they've sort of been the centre of attention, I think it's been unfair. So I think the, the stick Scott McTominay has got over the last couple of years, especially the last six months, I think has been way over the top. And look, the criticism is rightly so, but I think he needs to be praised for it now because I think he's I think he's been good in the last couple of games. But today against Arsenal, I thought he's brilliant. With you. I'm going to be a little bit critical of the 62 people watching this video. There are 13 likes on this video. Get us up to 30, please. If just half of you hit that like button, we get up to 30 likes. Help us out. We really do appreciate it. And if you are new here, make sure you are hitting that subscribe button as well because we are Australia's best and biggest YouTube channel. And, Tom, we're going places. I mean, I haven't left my house in about two years, but we're going places. Believe me on that. Uh, we've got Emad again. Other than the amazing pass, he was average for the majority of the match. All right, he said respectfully, so we'll call it even there. Uh, Adam, with the way McTominay... I think that was, has, think that was Bruno. Sorry, yeah, he's talking about Bruno, oh, Bruno there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Adam, uh, with the way McTominay has played the last three games, it's going to be hard to drop him. And Tom, just on your comment, uh, your commentary on McTominay, I think Tan Hag highlighted it in his post-match press conference. Again, he says McTominay was magnificent today. Can I say on McTominay, he's broken clear of McFred. He's broken clear of Fred. I think you're seeing in the amount of game time both those players are getting. But also, I would agree. However, 
You can't put Casemiro in at the moment for me. I think McTominay's playing <laughs> that well. But Casemiro can get his football in the Europa League on Thursdays. No, Tom, I agree with you 100%. Look, we all know Casemiro's going to be a mainstay of this side once he gets in. But let me flip this to you. We always say we want competition for spots. McTominay is playing in the best, his best form of his career, right? In the last three months, we've gone from not good enough for Manchester, last three months, last three weeks, we've gone from McTominay's not good enough for Manchester United to should he be starting? People are asking the question, should McTominay be starting? If you drop McTominay after the level of performance that he's been putting in, what message does that send to every player who starts, who's on the bench, you're telling him, if I come in for a transfer fee, no matter of how good I'm playing, it's not going to matter. The fact he dropped Ronaldo, the fact he's been willing to start Alenga over Ronaldo, that tells me this is a manager. He's made ballsy calls. He dropped the captain. So if he's willing to do that, you have to be willing to let Scott McTominay keep his starting spot for as long as he's playing well. The second there's an injury, the second there's a dip off in form, the challenge to McTominay now is to keep his spot. Yeah. Now, second he dips off, because we know Casemiro is the better player, and we know he'll be end up in this side. All eyes to the Europa League. Casemiro will obviously. McTominay is going to put his feet up. He's going to relax. Watch his deputy in Casemiro do his thing. Yeah, no, I definitely don't disagree. But it's one of those ones where I go back to when Eric Ten Hag was appointed, when Ralph Rangnick was appointed. I was saying Scott McTominay is going to play. The manager is going to love him. Now people didn't like that at the time, but said he's going to play over the likes of Donny Van der Beek. I thought he was going to play over the likes of Fred, and that is happening. And I think not only Scott McTominay deserves the praise for that. But I think Eric Ten Hag deserves the praise because, as I say, he's dropped Ronaldo. This is, sort of goes, goes goes beyond the McTominay discussion. He's dropped the ha- captain, Harry Maguire. So, and obviously he's getting a, a message across to the players, and especially players Scott McTominay, you can see an improvement. So, yes, I'm going to praise him, but I'm also going to praise Eric Ten Hag because I think that is where a huge chunk of the, the praise should go. But it, sort of bringing it back to 3 2 ones, obviously, okay, Christian Eriksen for three points, Rashford for two. I would be going Scott McTominay for one. But there are other candidates um, who's a sort of live chat been sort of thrown forward. I think it's between McTominay and Bruno personally. I was frustrated by Bruno. You saw, I love it. Some, you know it was some pass. It was some pass. Hey? It was some pass by Bruno. Like, it, it's match winning. It is. And that's the thing. Like, as frustrating as he is, he's brilliant at the same time. Like, you know what I mean? And, it's a difficult one. I'm going to look at the comments. Um, McTominay, a couple shouts for one point. McTominay for two points for a few people. 100% as well. passing accuracy. Give him the point. Until, until someone else can show me a midfielder who plays 90 minutes in the Premier League and has 100% passing accuracy, um, he gets the point. Yeah, Rob makes the comment. If there was a way to split, given half a point each, that might be the way in the future. But I think McTominay, we will go with the Scotsman for the one point. And that wraps up another match of 3-2-1s. Tom, before we wrap up the video, uh, we do have to look ahead. We got Real Sociedad uh, Thursday night in terms of European time. Do you expect a? We'll obviously do a preview for that match. Uh, but let me ask you: Do you expect a rotated side now? Uh, do you think we'll see the likes of Harry Maguire come in? Maybe Victor Lindelof gets his first minutes of the season. Uh, we've obviously signed a new goalkeeper. He's going to need some game time. What do you expect in terms of Real Sociedad? Well, you mentioned names that you mentioned Europa League football and you mentioned Harry Maguire, Victor Lindelof, Dubravka. I'm talking to you. Casemiro and Cristiano Ronaldo, that's where they're getting their football at the moment on Thursday nights. I never thought I'd see the day where Ronaldo would have but, to know the It Europa is, though. Like, okay, that, that's tongue-in-cheek. But am I wrong? That, that is where they're going to have to get their starts and get their minutes now. Yeah, 100%. And I think both those players will start. 
Did you, this one, just on, and we'll do a preview for Sociedad later in the week. It's one of those ones, yes, we do want rotation. Yes, we do want to continue the fine form in the league. However, this is probably our hardest test. Okay, maybe away in Sociedad is maybe technically harder. But Real Sociedad's our biggest game in this group. Is there a case where Eric Ten Hag will just play his strongest 11 to get off to a good start and we actually won't see too much rotation? Let me ask you this. If United went out of the... I know this is a really extreme example. If United went out of the Europa League group stages and United finished third, are you going to give a crap come May? Yeah. No, you have to get through this group. I, I think there's a good chance for a trophy. I, I think you can do both. Do we have the squad to do both, though? Like, do, do you still... I, I still look at our striker options at the very least and think we're a bit thin. And, um, I, I mean, the squad overall, it, it actually looks better than last season, it has to be said. So, yeah, you could yeah, be no, right. no, It's hard. You have to ask that question in May. And sort of, you do have to apply a lot of different sort of contexts and sort of the variables that the season does throw up. But at the moment, um, I think it would be a disaster if you don't qualify from that group. I think the fact we're saying we expect the likes of Casemiro, Harry Maguire, Victor Lindelof, Ronaldo, Martial's due to come back soon. He might be a shout to play as well. I mean, if that's your rotated side, it's not bad. You know what I mean? So uh, I'm with you. I think Real Sociedad, you want to start well. I think that that's important. If you can get points early, it leaves room later in the group to maybe rest players. And, and I keep forgetting it is a World Cup year, so... You want to try and get strong now before you're getting toward December, I think. Um, but but it will be a difficult one. Uh, we'll come to a few comments and then we will wrap up the video. Uh, so, again, make sure you are hitting that like button. And if you are new, make sure you're hitting that subscribe. Uh, Imad, I think Europa in between against Sheriff. Yep, 100%. We've got a couple games. Uh, and then we've got Adam. Palace away is always a tough game. 100%. It will be. But... Tom, dare I say it, don't you feel confident watching United now? Like last season, even at the start of this season, you're like, oh, I could see us losing here. Going into where, the where is the, what do you think? Because I was having a discussion with a mate at work. Harry Maguire, I don't want to sort of throw him back into this and throw him under the bus. Where There is a confidence. I'm just yeah. thinking, I believe as a player, the confidence comes from behind you. The confidence always comes, if you do have a great goal scorer, okay, that does give you confidence. But ultimately when you're playing, it's confidence what's behind you and a good goalkeeper and a good back four. And that is where I feel that confidence is coming from now. Is that coming from yeah, Harry Maguire being dropped and we have better defenders? Or has Eric Ten Hag got his message across? And you do look at the change after that Brentford defeat. Roy Keane was saying the big, biggest tactical masterclass Eric Ten Hag did was send him on a run in terms of that sort of sort of kicked them in the gear. And, and that was the turning point in regards to getting his message across. So what do you think? That, where has this confidence come from? Because the same bunch of players who had no confidence three weeks ago are now full of it. And I'm just saying, is it simply because the captain has been dropped and that, that sort of pressure and that narrative isn't behind them? Or is the manager sort of got something across to them? I tell you what, Tom, I think it's a bit of both. And you can't deny that we're tactically looking better. And with every game, we're looking better. I will say it wasn't purely Harry Maguire being dropped, but the fact he has been dropped means if you get through the midfield, you now trust that the defence might be able to make a last gap, gap save. So that's crucial. I only have to go back to the Southampton match, Varane one-on-one, he cleans it up. If that's Harry Maguire, he gets done for toast and they're on and goal. And the fact, the, the other point I will make is, unfortunately for Maguire and Luke Shaw, United kept two clean sheets on the bounce without those two players in the defense, rightly or wrongly. And I think the midfield has had a part to play in that as well. 
But you can't deny that because we've been able to play keep clean sheets, to your point, if you're an attacking player, you're now more confident because you know that the boys at the back are doing the business and there's not a pressure on you to score two, three goals. So I think the attack feels more relaxed knowing they can just play their natural game as opposed to maybe subconsciously thinking, we need to get two here, we need to well, get three. I think you look at Scott McTominay, a huge criticism we all have of him is coming to collect the ball off the back four. So many times it's coming to collect the ball off the back four in regards to Harry Maguire and he's thinking, oh, God, I don't back these past stuff. I'm not going to look for it. But he's going to Varane and Martinez who are maybe a little bit more comfortable on the ball. And even if he's not getting it, he's maybe creating a different angle. So, yeah, I do think it comes down to the confidence. But I talk about that. Not so much Harry Maguire, the footballer behind the midfield, but I talk about Harry Maguire, the perception and sort of the the narrative around him. And you look when he came on, his first touch gave away sort of a bad foul and a yellow card. It was nothing yeah. to do with Maguire. It was Casemiro. It was Casemiro's fault. Harry Maguire had his hands tied there. Harry Maguire did the right thing. But again, it's not his fault. Well, the tackle is his fault, but it's off the back of Casemiro's mistake. But it all ends up back at the feet of Harry Maguire. Harry Maguire, the perception is reality at the end of the day, and he's the one who looked like he did the mistake. And um, you just look at, again, this story that's going around, not the story, but the, the feeling around it. You look at this captaincy at the start of the season when he was in the tunnel, and David De Gea says, you're on the wrong side. And the, the abuse Harry Maguire got for that and the memes that he was standing in the wrong side. Do you know what side Bruno Fernandes walks out this, this year? He walks out the side. Harry Maguire was told to stand on that side because obviously the change in dugouts and when they walk out. Right. So Harry Maguire was that it was like a meme or he doesn't know where to stand. Bruno Fernandez is not getting abused for walking out of that side of the tunnel now. So again, perception is reality. And I just think this thing around Harry Maguire at the moment, it is giving the team confidence because that story and that narrative isn't behind them at the moment. Unfortunately for him, I think he played so poorly for so long. On top of the price tag... I just think it's killed him. I, I really do. I, I just I hope he can pick himself up because he seems like a good bloke, but I, I think it might be a step too far for him, Tom. I don't know if he can recover his career at Manchester United, but obviously I, I hope he does, and I hope he plays in the Europa League, and I hope he kills it. But uh, I think it what might... the McTominay discussion, the huge praise for me in regards to this Harry Maguire is Eric Ten Hag dropping him. Yeah. Solskjaer couldn't drop him. Ralph Frank couldn't drop him. Eric Ten Hag has came in, took two games, said, okay, we need a change, and dropped. not only dropped him, has kept him dropped. And, and I think that is huge praise on Eric Ten Hag because I, I, did, I, I didn't think he would be able to do it, and he's proven me wrong. And early in the season, decisive, drops Ronaldo, drops Harry Maguire, drops Luke Shaw. Man, Ten Hag's got balls. Ten Hag's got balls, and that's why you've got his haircut. Uh, but I think that is a good place to leave it. So... To all the legends in the comments, thank you for joining us. If you are new, hit that subscribe button. Tom and I, we're releasing videos, news, you name it. We're coming to you multiple times a week. we got the Friday night pint. If you are new as well, a bit more of a laid-back show. We like to have a drink, a bit of a chat. Tom likes to sometimes get his balls out on camera, tongue-in-cheek. He doesn't do that. But uh, nonetheless, it is a good show. Tom, we'll be back for the Real Sociedad preview, I'm sure. Everyone in the comments, thank you as always. Three, two, one. So let's recap. So we decided um, Christian Eriksen for three, Rashford for two, Scott McSauce for one. Legends, Tom, thank you as always, mate. Have a good night. Always, mate. You and everyone in the live chat thoroughly enjoyed that one. If we could beat Arsenal every Monday, um, it would make my life a lot easier. Oh, it'd be a good video every week. Cheers. See you, mate.